And then he realizes that the image in the mirror is simply a reflection of his own emotions and attitudes. And that if he wants to change what he sees in the mirror, he must first change himself. So he uses that story to illustrate the importance of self-awareness and self-reflection in cultivating a monk-like mindset. The next area of the book that I'd like to talk about that I thought was really meaningful was how he develops his relationships. Are you ready to turbocharge your financial IQ? Hey friends, my name is Murray Miller and I want to welcome you and your family to the Family Business Podcast where every episode is designed to keep you focused and on track to live a life free of financial stress, worry and fear. Would you like to know the exact powerful money strategies that not only our immediate family has implemented, but also our extended family of thousands and thousands of people around the world? Well, then let's get on with it and let's begin building a financial wall around your family. All right, guys, welcome back. I am really, really excited for today's episode. This is different. I have never done this before. And I love doing new stuff like this, especially with um, all the feedback you guys give me. So like I always ask you, the comments are great. I want to hear what you think of this. I want to hear if you want to hear more of it, some other topics you'd like to hear. This is really um, an interesting topic. Um, I just finished reading a book between reading and listening to the audio in the car. I was able to get this done in a rather short period of time. And it was fun taking notes and putting together what I thought would be really interesting for this episode. So I'm going to talk about a book called Think Like a Monk by an author by the name of Jay Shetty. And Jay has been uh, doing self-help books for quite some time. This book draws from his experience as a former monk and his personal journey to finding purpose and meaning in life. And so here are some of the takeaways that I got from this book. And some of the things I want to absolutely work on more myself because it, I believe this will lead to a more fulfilling life. And I'm all about that. The more fulfillment you can get in life, the more you can contribute and give back and, and just have more inner peace and happiness. I think that's a big thing. And, you know, typically we talk about financial things on this podcast, all things financial, and we love to talk about residual income and things of that nature. This is a little bit of an exit from that. But actually, why do we talk about finance all the time? Because we're looking for a place of happiness and security and generosity and all those things. And this book kind of brings that home for you. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that uh, Jay brings up right off the bat in his book he says you know one of the things that he tries to do on a regular basis is develop a daily mindfulness practice so he encourages you to set aside time each day to either meditate have gratitude self-reflection and just taking a few minutes to be in the present moment which we can cultivate i think a greater clarity and peace of mind if we go down that path um, he also talks about focusing on serving others, which is something that I've always known that if you help enough people get what they want, you end up getting what you want. Well, he emphasizes the importance of, of living a life of service and suggests that by focusing on the needs of others, we're going to find greater fulfillment and purpose in our own lives. And I can't disagree with that at all. He also talks about letting go of attachments. Now, this is a tough one for me. 
uh, and for most people, I would think, because he suggests that we often cling to things that ultimately bring us more pain than pleasure. And by that, he says, if you're practicing more detachment and letting go of our attachments, we can find greater peace. So I'm going to go into that in just a little bit. He uses a number of different um, anecdotes and stories to emphasize some of the points. And one of the ones that I really liked was what he called the story of two arrows, where he shares about a man who was struck by two arrows. And the first arrow represents the inevitable pain and suffering we all experience in life, while the second arrow represents the extra suffering we may cause ourselves by reacting with negativity, with anger, with fear. I know that this story is used to illustrate how we can learn to respond to difficult situations with more mindfulness and positivity rather than allowing ourselves to be consumed by negative emotions. So I thought that was a great anecdote for how you can actually get rid of some of those negative emotions by being more mindful. Um, he also talks about embracing discomfort, jumping out of that comfort zone. We talk about this all the time on the podcast. It's like, you know, he encourages you to push yourself outside of your comfort zone and embrace discomfort as a necessary part of growth and self-improvement, which if we're working towards becoming the best version of ourselves, this obviously plays a huge part. And he also talks about developing a sense of purpose, you know, a meaningness uh, in your life. And he emphasizes the importance of having a sense of purpose and having that meaning in life suggests that by identifying our own unique strengths and passions, we can find more fulfillment and direction. The next part of the book was super fun for me because he talked about the difference between a monk mind and what he called a monkey mind. And it was, it was cute in its comparison and, you know, it kind of was entertaining, but at the same time, it rang so true when he started going down this list. So I took a few notes. He said that the monkey mind is referring to that state of mind in which our thoughts are scattered and unfocused and we're constantly jumping from one thing to another. He said the monkey mind is often associated with stress, with anxiety, with the lack of clarity or direction as opposed to the monk mind, which he says is characterized more by focus, clarity, and a sense of calm, which is the exact opposite of the monkey mind. And he said this is achieved through practices like meditation, mindfulness, and self-reflection, which I can't disagree with. So then the fun part was when he offered up these comparisons with the key differences between the two modes of thinking, and he suggests that by cultivating our monk mind, we can live more fulfilling and purposeful lives. So for example, with focus, he says, the monkey mind is scattered and unfocused while the monk mind is characterized by a single pointed focus on the present moment. Man, we could all use some more of that, right? Well, we so distracted, which was another point, distraction. He says, the monkey mind is easily distracted and constantly jumping from one thing to another while the monk mind is able to stay focused even in the face of distractions. I love that. Clarity. He talks about the monk mind is often associated with confusion and lack of clarity, which the monk mind is characterized by a sense of clarity and purpose. He says the monkey mind is often associated with stress and anxiety and worry, while the monk mind is associated with calm, with peace, and a sense of inner tranquility. And lastly, he talks about the monkey mind is often caught up in the past or in the future, 
while the monk mind is able to stay fully present and engaged at the present moment. Another characteristic of the monkey mind is often driven by the unconscious habits and patterns that we have in our brain, while the monk mind is characterized by a degree of self-awareness and the ability to consciously choose our thoughts and our actions. So he tells a story of two wolves. So there's a Cherokee legend about a grandfather who tells his grandson that there are two wolves fighting inside each of us. One represents darkness, negativity, and fear, while the other represents light, positivity, and love. And the grandson asks, which wolf will win? And the grandfather replies, the one you feed. This story illustrates the importance of cultivating that positive thought and constantly giving yourself these actions of feeding that good wolf that is within us. And he also talks about gratitude where he says the monkey mind is often focused on what we lack or what's wrong while the monk mind is able to cultivate a sense of gratitude and appreciation for what we have. And I, I, can, I can tell you that being a person that is now embracing social media as a means of getting feedback from people, I, like everyone else probably, tend to focus on negative comments as opposed to the vast majority of comments that I receive, which are positive and uplifting. And I just like, th those kind of just pass me by, whereas the ones that are negative or critical, I tend to spend more time thinking about, which I have to change, you have to change. I think that's going to just create more happiness in our lives, not to focus on those things that are negative to our brain. Jay argues in the book that we all have the capacity for both a monkey mind and a monk mind, and that the key to living a more fulfilling and purposeful life is to cultivate our monk mind through these daily practices that he talks about that help us stay present and focused. So by training ourselves to quiet that constant chatter of our monkey mind, we can achieve a greater sense of peace and clarity and ultimately live more meaningful and intentional lives. So I pulled together a nice little list of things that he says throughout the book that we need to do in order to incorporate more of the monk mind and less of the monkey mind. He says, you know, put these things into what he calls your daily routine, your daily practices. First of all, meditate. I love meditation. Don't do enough of it. I told you guys probably on three or four episodes over the last couple of years that I love to meditate first thing in the morning. And I don't know that I'm good at it, but I can tell you that it makes me feel like, uh, it just makes me feel focused when I get started with it. There's a great app that I use. I'll leave a link in the description so you guys can see which, which app I use uh, to help me because it's, it's fun to have someone, someone that guides you through this because doing it in your, you know, trying to do it on your own sometimes can be a little bit overwhelming, not knowing if you're doing it right and having your mind wander, but having a voice in your earbuds um, while you're doing it, just kind of calming you down and getting you to that place that you need to be is very, very helpful. He also talks about mindfulness, you know, practice being fully present and in the moment, whether you're eating or walking or just sitting quietly, he says, pay attention to your breath and your body and your surroundings. That is key to being present. He also talks about gratitude and, you know, I'm a big gratitude guy. I just feel like being grateful for the things that you have um, just helps more of it come into your life. And so I've always had this feeling of gratitude. I think more now 
in my later years than I had earlier when I was really in the thick of it, bringing up the kids and running the family and having several businesses and, you know, just traveling and all that stuff. It didn't give me the time I needed to reflect as much. And now with a little bit more of a calmer lifestyle, it's given me the opportunity for more gratitude. So hopefully you can fit that into your life as well. Um, we also talk about service a lot in our company, what, you know, as we're building our network marketing company with Isagenix and I'm, as I'm building my financial practice, talk about servicing others and, you know, the way we serve others, whether it's through volunteering or helping a friend or simply doing something that's kind to a stranger, uh, serving others can help us cultivate that sense of purpose and meaningfulness in our life, which is obviously key and, and very, very important. And the other thing that he talks about that I honestly really need to work on myself, and I know a lot of people do, is letting go. I mean, practice letting go of the attachments, whether it's to material possessions or relationships that, you know, that just needed to move on or, or beliefs that you have. By letting go of what no longer serves you creates more space in your life for new opportunities and experiences. And that leads to the last thing, which is, you know, self-reflection, taking the time to reflect on your thoughts and emotions and your behaviors. And, he, you know, he talks about trying to do some more journaling, which every time I journal, I absolutely love it. It's so helpful. And then for some reason, you always seem to get away from it. But doing that on a daily basis or at least regularly can certainly help or or just talking to a friend that you trust or, you know, seeking guidance from a therapist or a coach. That's always really helpful as far as self-reflection. Um, one of the anecdotes that he uses when he talks about this is he talks about the story of the man who sees himself in the mirror and becomes very upset because he thinks the mirror is mocking him. And then he realizes that the image in the mirror is simply a reflection of his own emotions and attitudes. And that if he wants to change what he sees in the mirror, he must first change himself. So he uses that story to illustrate the importance of self-awareness and self-reflection in cultivating a monk-like mindset. The next area of the book that I'd like to talk about that I thought was really meaningful was how he develops his relationships or how not him, but maybe a monk would develop their relationships more than, you know, a monkey mindset. One of the things that he talks about, and obviously this can help in any area of your life is to be an active listener. I think probably one of the most important things you can do to build meaningful relationships is to listen actively to others. This means giving them our full attention, being present in the moment, not looking around at other things that are happening when someone is talking to you and responding in ways that show we understand and care about what they're saying. And you've heard me say this on the podcast before is being vulnerable. I think probably building any relationship requires a degree of vulnerability. I mean, it means being willing to open up to others, share our thoughts and our feelings and be honest about our fears and insecurities. Tough for a lot of people. I mean, that's a lot easier said than done for sure. Um, I think practicing empathy will be very helpful in this area because empathy gives us that ability to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and understand their perspective of things. Now, I certainly believe by practicing empathy, we can build deeper connections with others and show them that we care about their well-being. The next thing that he started to discuss in helping us build deeper relationships was being generous. And generosity is another important aspect of building meaningful relationships. 
Uh, it means being willing to give to others of ourselves, whether it's our time or our attention or our resources, but without expecting anything in return, which is the key to generosity that I think most people miss. A lot of times things are given with expectations attached to them. Letting go of those expectations can make a huge difference. Next thing he talked about was practicing forgiveness, um, which obviously is an essential component of healthy relationships. To me, it means being willing to let go of resentment or grudges and approach others with an open heart and open mind. And he used an example in the book, which I thought was amazing, which was um, of a woman that had to let go of some resentment that she had towards a person in her life that had already passed actually years before and she was still holding on to this resentment. And he talked about how you can actually forgive people even if they're no longer here on the planet how sometimes people are outside of your life and you don't see them anymore and you still have resentment towards them and you don't even see them. They're not in your daily lives, but they affect it. So letting go and forgiving is more for you than it is for that other person. So to, to let go of things that are bothering you, that someone did something to you or said something about you or, or did you wrong in any other way, um, let that go. Let that crap go because it does not help you in the long run. It just hurts you. And of course, this leads us back to cultivating gratitude, which is a very powerful tool for building meaningful relationships by expressing gratitude for people in our lives and giving them those compliments when they're deserved. We can deepen our connections with them and create a sense of mutual appreciation and respect. And I think by incorporating these practices into our relationships, we can develop more deeper, more meaningful connections with others and truly live more fulfilling lives. So what do you think? Are you ready to uh, cultivate a more monk-like mindset? I mean, it's characterized by greater focus and clarity and peace of mind. I know it takes time and effort to develop these habits, but with consistent practice, you can gradually shift from that monkey mind to the monk mindset. I think overall, um, Think Like a Monk was a very thoughtful and practical guide to living a more purposeful and meaningful life, and it encourages us to develop a daily mindfulness practice and focus on serving others, letting go of attachments, embracing discomfort, and finding a sense of purpose and meaning in our lives. So what do you guys think? I mean, as always, I welcome your thoughts and ideas based on Think Like a Monk. Um, are you going to start practicing some of these concepts and philosophies that Jay lays out in his book? Are you um, looking to, you know, fulfill more things in your life that maybe are missing right now? Let me hear your comments. As always, I'm open to your feedback. I'd love to hear your comments on this. And certainly other topics that you'd like me to bring to the next episodes in the future, um, I'm always willing to do that. We'll be back to something a little more on the financial side in our next episode. But for today, I thought this was a really good way to kind of break up what we're doing and talk about some of the things that I can really embrace to help you bring more happiness and successful feelings to your life. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Family Business Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can join our growing family and begin implementing the success principles to building a financial wall around your family, you can go to thefamilybusiness.info forward slash call and you can schedule a call with us because we have saved a spot at the table for you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and the people that you care about. And we would love it if you would take a second to give 
give us a five-star review to help future family members just like you find us. I leave you with this. In life, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you believe, plan, and expect. Let's do this. 